and see each and every one of you here. If you would, uh, my text this morning is going to be coming out of Second Chronicles. If you'd like to go ahead and turn to Second Chronicles, chapter thirty-three, verses uh, ten through thirteen. I hope, as I said, we've all had good holiday, good food, good family. Fellowship with our family and our friends and all, and we sure did. The food was all real good, but hopefully we kept our hearts and our minds. You know, Jesus, in the last Lord of the day, you know, I talked with you a little bit about counting your, your blessings, or should I say your many blessings. I hope that it's got, uh, got a thinking and had it on our minds of uh, the many blessings that we, we do have. Help us recognize them, and I hope that. We all did thank God for the blessing that he had given to each and every one of us. We see here this morning in 2 Chronicles chapter 33. We'll be looking at verses 10 through 13. 2 Chronicles 33, 10 through 13. Where it says, And the Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they would not listen. Therefore the Lord brought upon them the captains of the army of the king of Syria, which took Manasseh with hooks and bound him with bronze feathers, carried him out to Babylon. Now when he was in affliction, he implored the Lord his God, humbling himself greatly before the God of his fathers, and prayed to him when he received his entreaty, heard his supplication, and brought him back to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. How many times has something happened to us in our life that wasn't too plausible? And what was the first thing I, I thought come to our mind? God, how could you let something like this happen to me? God, I'm supposed to be your child. How can you possibly let this happen to me? We need to stop and think. Is that the only, is that the, what it took to get your attention, for God to get your attention? Look here at me He had everything going on. He had plenty of money. He had royalty. He had whatever he wanted. It was his. But yet all this happened to him because it took that for God to get his attention. We need to always have our attention and our hearts and mind focused upon God. There are a few things more influential than power and money. When you have both of them, especially at a young age, it's difficult for you to see life without you being the center of it. Young people have an especially difficult time learning how to live in this world when they are surrounded by so many things. Power and money don't just corrupt young people. We need to take a look at who has the money today. And we find that the vast majority of our millionaires and billionaires are not people under the age of 35. Some of you might remember the story of Hezekiah. When Hezekiah was very sick, the prophet Isaiah came to him and said to him, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. But King Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, and the Lord heard that prayer and gave King Hezekiah another 15 years of his life. Now Hezekiah was a man filled with pride and had to be humbled again before God. It was during that time that Manasseh was born. That's what I want to look at this morning. I want to tell you the story of King Manasseh. We just read a little bit about it in 2 Chronicles. But when Hezekiah died, Manasseh became king 
at the age of 12. This is too young to be given that much power and money. We see these uh, college students going off into the NFLs and everything and coming up with all this money and everything. And they're just, you know, just on top of the world. They're not used to having anything. And then they got all of it. It's just a little too much for them. But as I said, this is too young to be given that much power and money. He reigned in, Ju in Judah for 55 years. But the Bible tells us that Manasseh did evil in the sight of the Lord. In fact, what he did was, was sickening. No way of sugarcoating it. We just read this in 2 Chronicles 33. I'm going to turn back now to 2 Chronicles 33, but I want to read verses 1 through 6, where it says, 2 Chronicles 33, verses 1 through 6, Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. But he did evil in the sight of the Lord, according to the abominations of the nation, when the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. For he rebuilt the high places which Hezekiah's father had tore broken down. He raised up altars from the bowels and made wooden images, and he worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served them. He also built altars in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord had said, In Jerusalem shall my name be forever. And he built altars for all the hosts of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. Also, and I want you to listen closely to this one. Also, he caused his sons to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. He practiced soothsaying, used witchcraft, sorcery, consulted mediums and spirits. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. The greatness of Israel was dependent upon how the king and the people listened and followed God. We see here in verses 7 to 9, it goes on and says, <clears throat> He even set a carved image, the idol which he had made, in the house of God, of which God had said to David and to Solomon his son, In this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever, and I will not again remove the foot of Israel from the land which I have appointed for your fathers, only if they are careful to do all that I have commanded them, according to the whole law and the statutes, and the ordinance by the hand of Moses. So Manasseh seduced Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to do more evil than the nation whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. Now the story of Manasseh is one that is greater than most of us are familiar with. I don't know anybody as evil or as vile as God's word said this king was. Now I've read about and even seen news reports of people who hurt children or other innocent people. And when they're caught, I want them punished. That's just a human nature. And if they hurt them children, they shouldn't have hurt those children, those innocent people. I want them punished. Their actions are vile and detestable. What I want to ask this morning is how far is too far? Or putting it in a simpler form, how many sins is too many sins before God gives up on ever letting us be saved? I've heard you know people say, and I'm sure each and every one of you heard, that they tell you when you invite them to church, if I go to your church, the roof would collapse. You ever heard that? 
I don't know if that's a reference to the events of Samson's death or not. But I do know that they believe that they are so bad that they can't enter into a church building. There's a pretty strong passage in the Bible that bring fear to some people. I want to look at two of them this morning. First off, it's going to be Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 and 6. When it says, For it is impossible for those who have once enlightened have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God. Excuse me, and the power of the age to come. If they fall away to renew them again to repentance, since they crucified again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. Also, let's flip on over to uh, chapter, Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 through 31. When it says, For if, I, for if we sin will, willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. But a certain fearful expectation of judgment, fiery indignation, <coughs> which would devour the adversities. Anyone who has reject, rejected Moses' law died without mercy of the testimony <coughs> of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be? Thou worthy who was trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified as common thing, and insulted the Spirit of <coughs> grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Now would you turn with me over to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians, chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. 2 Thessalonians, chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. Where he talks about the evidence of... Where it says, Which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may count it worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you also suffer. Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you, and to give you who are troubled rest within, with us when the Lord Jesus revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God, and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord. Jesus Christ. Now those those passages are they're not there just simply because they have no meaning. They do have a meaning. Jesus himself said that the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter in by it are many. When he talked about judgment day in Matthew chapter 25, he said that he would say to those on his left Depart from me, you cursed into eternal fire, prepared for Satan and his angels. Now my point this morning, hell is a real place. Eternal punishment is real. Spending eternity away from God is something that can only be described as great pain. I don't want you, anyone to leave here this morning 
and think that, as I said earlier in our, our first hour, that everyone who is nice gets to go to heaven. And people who are more uh, better than I am spend eternity in hell. It's just not the way it works. When you ask yourself, how many sins does it take to separate me from God? The answer is one. It does not a matter how good or how bad you are. There is no one righteous, no not one. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But that does not have to be our end. That is what this story is about. Our New Testament story. Now in the New Testament, <coughs> we get more stories and lives that are lived counter to the will of God. The one that most of us are probably most familiar with is what we call the prodigal son. And the prodigal son, this young man's story has something similar to Manasseh. <coughs> he seems to come from a privileged home where he had all that he needed and more. The family has servants, a plantation, a father who loved. But for the younger son, that just wasn't enough. He wanted more. More than what life with his father could give him. So one day, he asked for his inheritance, received it, packed his bags, and went to a faraway place. There he squandered his money in ways that were evil and sinful. One day, a terrible famine came to the place that he was living. The young man ran out of money and was hungry. I doubt he ever knew what hunger felt before. But his pride was great. He was a survivor. He took a job feeding pigs. Now, that in itself is not a bad thing unless you believe pigs are unclean and go against your religious beliefs. Then again, what did he have inside that was religious? Many people today are like this young man. You have come from a good home, godly parents, People who gave you all you needed, loved you all they could, but that wasn't enough. You wanted more. Wanted to experience more, so you did all that you wanted. Maybe you realized you were not happy as you thought you would be on the other side in that faraway land. But what are your options? We're looking now at the real and impossible. Let me share with you the ending of both of these stories. Time's sake. Now, King Manasseh did not pay attention when God spoke to him. So God allowed the king of Assyria to capture Manasseh with hooks and bind him with chains. The young man who left home, the prodigal son, wanted to eat the food that he was given to pigs. <coughs> but something happened in both of these cases. It got their attention. Manasseh, the Bible says, humbled himself greatly before the Lord. The God of his fathers, the young man, the prophet's son, the Bible says, came to his senses while he was feeding the pigs. Now, in both cases, they realized that in real humility and change, the life with God is the best life there is. The young man, the son, left the pigs, left the far country, and in humility went home with a heart of repentance, ready to say to his father, Father, I have sinned against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Would you please hire me as one of your servants? 
God was moved by Manasseh's prayer and his plea. The father in the story, the prophet's son, saw his son afar off and ran to him. Manasseh came back to Jerusalem and was king again. The young prodigal son was received by his father and not a hired servant, but was given a ring on his finger, a robe on his back, shoes on his feet, and welcome home as a son. Now, in conclusion this morning, I want to tell you that it was all grace. It is that which is given, not because we deserve it, but because we need it. Not because of our goodness, but because of the goodness of God. It is offered to each and every one of us. Now here's the real question. It is not, can God save someone else? What we need to look at is, can God save me? Do you need to be baptized to become a child of God? True, God's word tells us to go out and teach others, convert others. But we got to convert ourselves first. If you're going to jump out of an airplane, wouldn't you rather someone instruct you that had already jumped out of that airplane numerous of times? Or you want somebody to just say, hey, I've seen it on TV. I stayed at the Holiday Inn Express last night. This is how you do it. We want. That's why we need to study God's Word before we go out and talk to others. Maybe you're not unlike Manasseh or the prodigal child, son. Maybe you've wasted what much of what God has given you. Maybe you walked away from God and to sin so many times, but the grace of God continues to be extended when your heart humbles itself and you're right, ready to come home. Just want to tell you that God is extending his arms to each and every one of us right now. If you need to be baptized, become a child of God. Or if you've already been baptized, you've stepped away. Whatever your need may be, will you come home to him now? Have we stand and sing?